Hi, I'm Mara Webster with In Creative Company, and I'm so thrilled today to be joined by John Barinholtz to talk all about his latest TV series, American Auto. Um, the first thing I actually wanted to talk about is the balance that you had to create with this character, because, you know, he's not necessarily a quote unquote likable character, and yet he comes across very empathetic, which is a really difficult balance to create within your performance. And so when you first got the scripts and were developing him as a character, how did you set about finding that line of a character that the audience may not want to hang out with in person, but also is really interested and engaged with and empathetic towards because we understand his actions? That's a, that's a great question uh, and well put. I, uh, it was like that when I first got the script, he, I got really excited because the script is amazing. And this character specifically read like really tough on the page. Like, um, like, like you said, like a person you wouldn't, wouldn't really want to hang out with. I don't know if I'm allowed to say the word prick, but he felt, he felt like a prick. Um, and I, I was so excited because I was like, oh, I know I, I know I can make him uh, more sustainable than that as like from a viewer standpoint of, oh yeah, he is a prick. But like you, when he walked out of scenes, you're not like, I hate that guy. You're like, ah, I feel bad for that guy kind of. And like, that's, that's my kind of favorite zone to play in for a character of uh, giving them that, that vulnerability and uh, you know, injecting a little lovability into it. Um, it's, you know, this Wesley is one of the only characters in the show. Maybe, maybe Dory too are similar in that. Like they're, they're all id, like everything that they thinking, they, they say there's no filter. And um, it's, it's really, I think leaning into that for Wesley of uh, that, like you just get an, ex you see inside his brain a little bit. And I think that's helpful for audiences to be like, well, he's not really calculating because he's almost not smart enough to be calculating or, or, or maybe even doesn't care. He's, he's more just who he is. And uh, yeah. And, and then with this most recent episode, the, uh, the fundraiser, the gala, you really see his family, uh, how they've made him who he is. And uh, I think it was, it was a huge buyback for the whole season on Wesley to see that, you know, he's, he's really just a product of coming from a family where he was maybe like teased and a little bullied. And uh, he's just, he, at the end of the day, he is just trying to do his best poor guy. When you were working on all of that at the beginning, did it really help coming from the Justin Spitzer world coming from Superstore and knowing that that's kind of foundationally how he creates characters that, you know, you see them on the surface and then he spends the rest of the season really kind of uncovering those empathetic aspects. So was that a really useful thing in, in knowing how he approaches character development? A hundred percent. That context of his previous shows was, was huge. Right. And like, there's a meeting at the beginning of the season where every, you know, cast member met with the writers individually. And we talked through like, well, what's the buyback going to be? And like different characters have different buybacks, you know, like Jack doesn't need a buyback because he's so sweet and charming, and lovable. Wesley definitely does. Even like uh, Catherine does, like I'd say half the cast are vicious in their own ways and they need kind of like this, this lovability factor uh, injected in there. And it's the character is definitely not as like, warm and squishy lovable is the super sarcast, right? Like that, those characters are all, I think you're empathizing a lot more with them. Um, whereas like, there's definitely empathy in these characters, but it's more of like uh, a study of, of what people like normal people are like in corporate life. So, uh, so yeah, that was, that was big knowing that Justin was going to give that, like, there's no, there's no hundred percent villains in Justin Spitzer stories. There's everyone has like layers that, uh, that lets you have these moments of humanity where you can, you can relate to them, even if they're not your cup of tea. So 
that that was again why I was so excited when I knew he was going to make the show in the first place. I was like, oh, I know exactly what he's doing, and I, I see it because I know what a Justin Spitzer show is. And he also creates characters that are very distinctive on the page, but hires actors and hires cast members and wants them to really bring decisions and choices to the character as well. So with Wesley, what was that balance of the kind of key details on the page and then the things that you really found between the pages of the script that you wanted to bring into him? Yeah, uh, again, it was it, it was finding that that looseness where he where he was he was he was me. He, he, he was I could bring as much as who I am to this character. We're still keeping true to what this archetype is. And Justin's so lovely with that. And it's a dream to work with him from an acting standpoint, because there's a real collaboration. Um, it, it happened with Superstore where you, we would get a couple, you know, takes down of what was on the page. And then specifically for outs of scenes for like the, the blow lines at the end, it was, Hey, let's play around. Let's try to find something. Let's go beyond when the page ends. And uh, it's such a, tightly run ship with him where you have the time to do that and the space to do that. So, so with Wesley, it was just, it was a matter of, you know, really figuring it out. Like the, the pilots, pilots always take longer to film. So we had, I think 10 days for that versus five days for a normal episode. So we had the extra time to play with of, you know, Hey, let's a few extra takes here and there where we really can just find it out. And also that trust in Justin and the other producers who are watching it on camera uh, over in Video Village to be like, that's really playing. What you just did there is really playing. So lean into that more. And it's just, it's constantly building this roadmap that becomes less nebulous. And then you finally like get like, oh, what this character is. And then, then it's all house money and you're just, you're playing around and it's really fun. And with that idea of, of getting to try different things, getting to try different alts, different versions of a scene, does it also help working in a multicam setting because you're not having to kind of try to recreate it necessarily as specifically, or you're not trying to play to like, okay, the camera's close up on this one because you know that it's going to be captured from a few different spaces. So the way he shoots this is it's, it's not hybrid. It is, we have three cameras on, but it's yeah. not multicam as in like they're set like, you know, all looking one way where it's all the same angle the whole time. Um, so it is a little bit tricky in those uh, knowing like, okay, uh, I may have a great idea here to improvise a line, but the coverage isn't on me. This is going to be, you know, uh, Harriet's coverage or Anna's coverage. So it's, it's that fine line between, well, I don't want to improvise in their coverage because they may have ideas, but I may want a reaction to this line. <laughs> So, so, so the editors have an option to, if what I'm going to do in three takes when the cameras are on me work, I want to at least try it now to see their reaction because we may want their reaction. So it's, it's a bit of like, it's a bit of Tetris, like figuring that out of, you know, not stepping on each other's toes. And uh, uh, it, it's so weird to say, because it's something like so technical and precise as camera work, but it does come down to feel in a way of, oh, I feel that there's space here where I can do this and I'm not stepping on someone's toes. And sometimes you do, sometimes you improvise some things just as someone else does. And there's that like little awkward moment, but it's, that's the huge benefit to being on a show like this where it's welcome. And uh, it's not as precious because it's, you can just go ahead and do it again. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it, it, is, it is a little bit of like, like silent negotiation that has to happen in your head with that stuff. That's so interesting to hear. And, and, and kind of off the back of that, I was interested in when you were working on the pilot, just everybody in the cast, because there are so many really great ensemble scenes in this show, you know, and again, that's something that Justin just writes so well. Yeah. Um, and, 
with what you were saying about the reaction shots, it's not just about which characters at the foreground, it's about every single person, you know, even if they're flickering onto camera for a second within a scene. Um, and I know that you didn't get really the same FaceTime with the rest of the cast because of COVID protocols and how that's changed everything yeah. in production. And so what was it like going in and shooting the pilot and everybody trying to figure out what that silent negotiation is, what that dynamic's gonna be in those ensemble scenes? You know, it's tough. It it's tough and it's made trickier by COVID, right? Because there isn't this like massive hangouts and dinners that happen leading up to it, which is like what so what Superstore was. Like we were, we didn't have COVID or at least for the majority of it, we didn't. So we was, we were hanging out with each other on weekends. We knew each other's families and like it was, there was more of a rapport. With pilots in general, it's, there's less of, you know, you're you're meeting new people who are all hired to the same things. You maybe met once or twice. And uh, it was, uh, yeah, I think it was like, halfway through the pilot it's just a matter of like talking to each other about it i remember like halfway through the pilot like me going up to humphrey and being like hey how do you think we feel about each other like because everything we were doing was cracking me up like we would have takes where like humphrey hated me and i just kind of took it there were takes where i was like really insulting of him and he took it there were takes where i was insulting and he kind of fought back and it was like oh well what's the actual status here like i you know we we that's like the kind of like the fun nerdy actor thing of, uh, you know, I remember I posted this to him. He was like, Oh, it's funny. I haven't, we've just been doing a bunch of fun, different things, but we haven't figured out what the thing is yet. And that's what, that's what pilots are. And that's why, you know, typically pilots are shot well before the rest of the season. In the case, this case, it was, you know, almost a year before we shot the pilot and, uh, it is still figuring it out. Right. It's very much still figuring it out. Um, so it's just, communication and talking to each other as much as you can. And if you have an idea, just you, you get to talk to like the people that you're working with. And uh, in, in a way, even though there's that separation, we're not hanging out much outside of set because of COVID, we are way more together on set during COVID. Um, and there's just, it's forced time, right? Which is forced connection, which is great for something like this. I was also actually interested in, in the blocking of a lot of the ensemble scenes for you, because with Wesley, one of the aspects is he so desperately wants to be part of this group and part of the center, but he's never really invited in. Like if they're in an office, if they're having a conversation in Catherine's office, no one said, let's get Wesley, let's bring him into this conversation. No. He heard the conversation and came in. And so <laughs> as a result of that, if you look at a lot of those scenes, you're very often on the outskirts of it. And yeah. so is that something that really impacts the blocking kind of like he's the last person to come in? Yeah, a hundred, a hundred percent. Like that's like, that's really great that you picked up on that. Cause it's, it really is a thing where he's kind of like, he's a floater, right? He's on the outside and that type of person also usually, uh, you know, there's like that saying the, the, the strongest one in the room is also the most silent. And it's like, clearly like Wesley doesn't know that because because <laughs> he is, uh, he's always fidgeting. He's always moving around and he's always trying to interject himself because he's so nervous about the fact that he deep down, he knows he doesn't have the status that he wants. Um, but yeah, that's, that's another really fun aspect in how I found the character even more of, you know, if people are gathered around at the table, I'm always in the back kind of snacking and just kind of like overhearing a little bit and I get to pop in with something. And it's, uh, it's one of the really fun things about that character is that he is, he is an outsider in his own company or his family's company. 
And his job is so unidentifiable and he comes up with different versions day to day as to what even he thinks he does. You know, the the gala episode, even his brother is like, what does he do at the company? No, really, I want to know. And no one can even answer that question. Um, And so how do you kind of use that to kind of shift and shape into scenes differently? Because it's like at one point, you know, he thinks he's in charge of marketing and that's what he's in charge of. And then the next moment he thinks he's the director of a commercial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, oh, God, that episode, I love that episode. Um, yeah, you know, it's there's, I always fall back to like, he's someone who's never really had to have his position challenged, right? Like deep down, Wesley knows if he was handed the keys to the company and be like, you're the CEO now, yeah. it would be a, it'd be pure panic. And he would like fly to Aruba and disappear for six months. Uh, but the fact that he's not asked gives him the license to be like, well, I should have been, and, and I know better. Uh, and he he knows that he's never going to get called on it, right? He's, not, he's never going to actually have the control. So it's it's this freedom to to truly float through different like, aspects of the job, as you say, and then like figure like what his place can be. And uh, but he he definitely does have a confidence that whatever he is doing will help and make something better. Like he's he's like half searcher of like what should I be doing and half like, yeah, I guess like role assumer of, oh, well, I should be doing this because come on, people love me. And, you know, there's a big disconnect of outside perception of him and what he thinks he's giving off. And with, with the whole thing and, and his, his line about like, well, I, I turned down the job of CEO, you know, again, it feels like he knows that everybody knows that that's not true. Like nobody's buying that, but there was that really great scene between you and Anna Gasteyer when he tells Catherine, like, by the way, I was never actually offered the job. Um, And what's, what's the shift that that creates in him as a character with him actually acknowledging something like that, rather than trying to put on the front for her. Yeah. I think that's a big moment for him. I think that and the gala were like two really, two real big buybacks for him towards the end of the season where it's kind of this acceptance where, he knows he he's he's not going to put on the facade. Now he obviously wouldn't go up to like Dory's character or like uh, or Elliot and be vulnerable to them. Uh, but I think like he does see a connection between him and Catherine. Like, look, you know, like heavy is the head that wears the crown. I think like he he thinks like you're the boss in name. I'm the boss, or you're the boss in title. I'm the boss in name. So I can be open with you here and be vulnerable. Uh, and I think it's that's that's a big moment for him. Uh, hopefully from a viewing standpoint too, where they're like, Oh, he's not a hundred percent delusional. Like he does know. It's kind of like that thing where like, you see kids do it a lot too. Like, or at least my, my daughter does it to me where she'll say stuff that, you know, she doesn't believe, but we'll try to see like what reactions are like, uh, like her big thing right now is to like, is to say like, I don't like you mama and dada, but like, she'll say it and be like, I don't like you, mama and dada. And I kind of like look around and see like, if we're like, oh no, really? We're like, okay, all right. I think like Wesley's kind of the same. Like I was supposed to be the boss and like kind of looks around. Everyone's like, all right, buddy. Yeah, sure. Like we're not even going to acknowledge it. But that scene was also kind of such a great moment for him as a character as well, because he feels that connection with Catherine, but then completely misreads the situation. Um, I love the detail with the fact before he goes in to to make a move on her that he puts chapstick on. Was that, was that a scripted moment or was that That part of an alt of the scene? No, that was scripted. This is uh, Eric Legend wrote this episode. Uh, He's one of my really good friends. He's also like the, the, the number two under Spitzer on the show. And uh, he's just so, Eric's so good at writing so many different types of scenes, but like that scene specifically where it feels like a middle school dance almost like, you know, like 
I remember reading that in the table reading being like we were dying during that and we shot it felt like endless takes of that scene and I would love to see just like a cut up of it like there's so many different versions but the chapstick always made it in I, I just thought it was, it was so, such, a, such a funny detail one of the other things with with the gala episode going back to something you were saying before that that gives us so much about he probably you know his own family haven't really been that nice to him growing up they talk about him being bullied externally by other people his own family have never believed in him even since he was a kid so he was kind of never propped up to begin with um and that kind of tells us a huge amount about him. And, and I've, I read something where you were saying that you think he's probably quite sad when he leaves the office and goes home at night because he's putting on this front. Was that was that something that you decided and de- determined about him very early on? And how does that influence the way that you play him during the day and, and a lot of the way that he's covering for that? Yeah, I, I think a big part of it. And yeah, early on, that was like a big thing for him. It was, there has to be some humanity there and there has to be the, the private that's like the biggest thing in a character is like, well, what are they like privately? And you don't get to see that on a show ever because it's ensemble stories with people. And I think like, you know, I wouldn't say like very dark moments he would have, you know, privately, but I think there, there are like, I think it sneaks through like, like a little sad, like some sad depressed moments. Uh, and yeah, I think it's just, I think that's, that's who he is. Like you, like what you just said of, you know, he, he never really was, you know, ex- push into acceptance by his family here's a guy who had who has it all right he has everything he has all the access you could ever want but it's still like showing that like if you don't have the emotional support and love the access doesn't mean anything and like i think he's like a product of that and like you just want wesley to have like parents who love him and like he probably would have turned out totally fine and uh yeah you just you feel bad for the guy he also has such an overconfidence to him that again just feels like it's compensating for a lot of of that inside of him um which is a great place to be able to play comedically as well like watching him run around the office and try to start a party and have smoke machines going and dory djing for him you know that's all about that overcompensation again Um, and so does that really allow you to find a lot of comedic space to play off of kind of the the overcompensation that he has for everything underneath 100 percent. yeah it's it's a big it's a big character trade off him, right? Like he's, he's, he injects energy uh, where uh, I think like if he were that a pure jerk or pure villain, the energy would, would be like cold, right? Like, but with him, it's, well, I know I can be fun. I'm at least, I'm at the very least I'm a fun guy. So that's what I, that ultimately that's his, like ultimate crutch. It's like, I can always lean into like being the person that can always get stuff going. Like, and people may say I'm annoying, but who cares? Because I know what I am. Um, but yeah, that, uh, those scenes, like that scene where, uh, Michael and I got to come to the office, like make everyone dance. It's, it's so much fun. Like specifically in Wesley's head, I think he's looking at like, you know, he, uh, he won't come down to connection point with those employees on the ground floor there. Uh, but I think he, th- I think he thinks like, oh, Catherine and like some other folks at the very high level may see through me and okay, that's fine. But these people who just have day-to-day jobs, they have no idea, they have no idea that I that people think I'm horrible. They think I'm a king. And uh uh to see him play in that zone is it's so much fun. It's it's God, I mean, what a gift as an actor to get to play that, to just get to play goofy and fun and uh but know that in the back of your head you have status over these people as far as you think. 
the stakes of, of what these characters are, are in charge of is also really fun from a comedic place as well, because going back to Superstore, it was like they had the ability to impact certain change, but they still were just a microcosm in the grand scheme of things. Whereas this is genuinely, you know, there's the whole scene where they're like, do we recall the car? Or do we just let some people die because it's cheaper for us? And what's the financial ramifications of that? And so again, that builds a great place of, of pressure cooker and tension. And so yeah. for you, where does a lot of the comedy come from and the fact that they're approaching these things from a granular level and maybe they're making the right choices but very often for the wrong reasons and, yep. and getting to kind of explore that side of it yeah uh, it, it's a lot of the fun right and i think like again Wesley's on the outsider part of that right because it's just he's no one's going to listen to him at the end of the day so uh it's it's a really fun dynamic it i've described it and so have other people as it's the flip of Superstore. Superstore are the workers on the ground floor who are affected by the you know, decisions of nameless people at corporate who are making their lives hell. These are now the nameless people at corporate who are making the decisions. And it is what you said is uh, rings pretty true, which is these people often get to where they have to go, like get to the conclusions and maybe may the right choice, but very often for the wrong reasons. And uh, I think another thing that the show highlights is there's some time of perception, I think, in high power jobs that, you know, would be more at the top of the ladder versus the bottom where you think like, oh, well, people get there for, you know, uh, you know, on their own merit. And uh, and it's it's you just work your way through the system. And by the time you get there, you, you belong there like, you know what you're doing. I think what the show exposes is like very often in corporate culture, it's it's not a meritocracy. It's people failing up. They just hung around. And the sometimes it's easier to promote someone than it is to let them go. So I think like a lot of these people just existed in their job. And they're, if you threw, like, for example, if you threw one of the floor workers in Superstore in one of these roles, I don't think they perform any better or any worse than the people that are, have been in those roles forever. So it's... Uh, it's really fun to kind of like pick apart the corporate culture and how these decisions are made. It's, it's, it's what the show is. And it's what I think people will really relate to watching it. Absolutely. And, and it's also so much about the interpersonal dynamics and, and that group dynamic as well. And within that, it's, it's great because every episode there's kind of more of a connection and, and more of an establishment of what that is. And if you look at Wesley as an example of that, it's like him explaining to Dory, like, this is an open bar, the drinks are free, is a very patronizing thing on the page. But actually it's his way of being like, hey, I know this space and I've got you and I'm going to I'm going to walk you through this. I'm going to guide you. I'm going to tell you, you know, so it's like yeah. there are ways in which he's he's expressing that he cares about people again, maybe not always in the right way. Yeah. Um, and so have you found a lot more kind of nuanced moments like that where he can start kind of expressing himself in his own Wesley way? Yeah, absolutely. And I think like every cast member kind of like will find that. Right. And it's it's about it's about finding those moments. And, you know, it, back in the day, you used to have like a couple seasons of a show to kind of like find the footing and find those relationships. And as you're building, building a viewing audience, and then you use like the later seasons to really establish that it's not like that anymore. It's a, it's a bit more cutthroat where you really have to define these things soon. Cause you have to get viewers hooked. And that's what hooks viewers, right. Is seeing like, Oh, I, I mean, so few people watching, I think have been in high level corporate jobs in a billion dollar industry, right? Like that's just not, there's only a handful of those jobs but everyone can relate to what those jobs are like or what they might be like. And then it all comes down to, like you said, finding these, you know, interpersonal moments between the characters. And uh, 
ultimately that's that's why this show works i think and th- that gala episode specifically we all leave together and we're all in a limo at the end of the night you know like we we are the gang, you know, it's, it's not, uh, it's, we are the gang and whether it's because we're forced to be together or we actually choose to be or some combination of the both, these are the people that you're with. And these people spend more time with each other than they do with their families probably. So it's, uh, I think it really is compelling and really fun to watch. And those moments of connection, like you said, the open bar moment, like showing that like, I got you, even though it's pretty patronizing, uh, I think th- that is a lot of the fun of this, right? Is we, we see the love for them build, but you know, as we all know, the people that we love the most, we also often get the most frustrated at, right? Because we have a deeper relationship and that's, that's what we're, we're building towards and that what we will continue to build as we get to do more and more episodes. Yeah. And you, you know, you were talking earlier about how one of the really fun elements of playing a character like Wesley is just the way that he's coming into these scenes and he's there trying to be part of it. Um, And from a performance standpoint, I was interested in that dynamic and the way that you're working with scene partners, because usually so much is, okay, I'm giving something to my scene partner. They're giving something back to me and we're kind of reacting back and forth off of each other. But you're kind of in this very unique situation where a lot of times they're just ignoring him and pretending like nothing he said even exists. Um, And so how does that create a slightly different dynamic? dynamic for you in a lot of scenes where you're kind of handing something over and then there's no reaction, but he's still continuing to like punt something their way. Yeah. I, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting for him. I think it's, it is the, the pure id or like the, the energy he's just coming out with. And I, and in group scenes, I think, uh, yeah, you don't get a lot of, uh, well, he doesn't get a lot of the responses he probably wants in one-on-one. I think you know, we all know people who are pretty like, unbearable who you run into in your everyday life who when you have that one-on-one reaction like as they're walking up to you maybe like oh shit oh shit and then like you're in you're in the interaction with them but you don't get out of the interaction any sooner that you'd want like you're kind of at that person's disposal and like Wesley is very much like that he's a vacuum and he's you know the I I go back to that episode with Cyrus when I go into uh, Cyrus's office and, and bring him into the fun patrol it's just like hey this person is his pure energy and confidence of like, I'm pulling you in and we're going together. It's, it's magnetic in a way where you don't want it to be. And we all know people like that, who, who just will like suck time from us. And like, what is it? Like, why can't we pull away from these people? There's some, there's something there. I think it's because, you know, we're hopefully at our base, we're kind and we don't really want to like, I think because people know what Wesley is, if they were to be like, get the hell out of my office. You're annoying. I don't want to talk to you. I think they know Wesley would go and break down in tears and they have to handle him like a child. So I think it's like, they have to capitulate and they kind of have to have those connections. Um, that's a lot of fun of playing the character of, you know, if, if it's me and Ty that I'm like abusing his time, you know, by the time I Wesley sensed that like, Hey, Ty's about to throw me to the curb. I've already moved on to someone else. So he's kind of like, you know, he's like a little cipher who moves through like different relationships because he has a sixth sense of knowing when people are sick of him and he moves on to someone else. And by the time he comes back around to that person, there's been a long enough break where they, you know, they let him in again. It's like a little puppy in a room full of people. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. <laughs> well, I've enjoyed watching your performance and everything that you've done with him as a character so much on the season so far. Thank you so much for all of this, John. Really appreciate it. Of course. Thank you.